Man. You know, one of the one of the funniest things about being a parent, I've I have three sons. One of the funniest things about being a parent is the new phrases that you begin to say that you would have normally never said, not being a parent. For example, don't eat that is a phrase that I find myself saying more and more and more. Another phrase is, where are your shoes? I've never asked more times in my life than in the last five years where someone's shoes were. I think about um, how did blank get blank? Like this. How did your toothpaste get in Lucius's hair? How did your cereal bowl get into your closet? Things like that, you tracking with me? One thing that we say, uh, have to say, have to say at our house, uh, a whole bunch to our, especially our two older boys is, keep your clothes on. I don't know what it is, but as soon as we walk through the door, all the clothes begin to come off. Keep your clothes on. I've never said that phrase so many times in my life. And today, the title of our message is Keep Your Clothes On. As a parent says to a child, as I say to my sons, as Nehemiah says about himself, that as we continue to build and as we continue to battle, the first step when we come under attack is to remember to keep our clothes on. Not too long ago, we went through a, a series in Ephesians, and we got to Ephesians chapter 6, and we really started to dig into uh, what is a spiritual warfare. What is spiritual attack? And maybe uh, online we can do a special effect where the link to that message comes up right here. So when you go to, to listen to this, you can see the link if you haven't heard that message. Um, but, we, but we talked about some of these uh, plans of attack that the enemy has in our life. We learned that not only is the armor of God one that may or may not uh, represent an officer, an official, uh, someone who's in the army, but even more so, it represents a priest. That when we are clothed with the armor of God, we are clothed as a priestly warrior. That's who we are. We have the priest breastplate on. We have our sword, we have our helmet, and we are armored up, ready for battle, ready for attack. So we get to a place in Nehemiah chapter 4 where the attack begins to roll out. And maybe you're in a place this morning where you feel the attack of the enemy beginning to roll out in your life. Like we were singing about, we're going to talk specifically today, what happens when your identity is attacked? What happens when you get so uh, uh, self-centered in the way that you're perceiving the world that you're actually incapable of moving forward in the work that God has given you to do? So if you want to grab your Bible, we're going to go to Nehemiah chapter 4, and we are going to, God willing, everyone say God willing, get through the whole chapter. As you're getting there, I want to read this. I want to read Romans 13, 12 through 14. Right? We're staying clothed. We're staying clothed in our priestly warrior garments. It says, so then, Romans 13, so then let us cast off the work of darkness and put on the armor of light. I'm taking off the work of darkness in my life, and I'm putting on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. It's going to talk about the armor of light again in verse 14. I want to read this. 
It says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see when, when we talk about being clothed, we are clothed in an armor of light, and that light is Jesus Christ. The same mantle that he was given has been placed on us. The power that has been given to Christ has been placed on us. And we are to be clothed in that. But what happens? How do we take off the garments? Well, it says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Have you been making provision for your flesh lately? You've been giving in to the anger that has been stirring and boiling inside of you. The words that you're just stuffing down are seeming to come out of your mouth. That you have the desire for sexuality and you give in to it. Have you been making provisions, feeding your flesh? Has it happened this past week? Has it happened today? That there was just something inside of you that you know is ungodly and it started to say, I'm hungry. So you made it a meal and you fed it. I'd say if you have found yourself in that place and you haven't make, made that right before the Lord, that you are in a way of walking without your armor on. You can choose to walk in the flesh, to walk with your flesh on, or to walk with the armor of light on. Are you unarmored this morning? Put your garments on. Stay clothed. Keep your clothes on. Here's the first point. Whoops. Thank you, Pastor Nick. We need to keep our clothes on when we are under attack. Under attack. Let's look at chapter 4, verse 1. It says, now, when Sanballat, does anyone know what his name means? Does any, anyone have any idea? It's like, it's very villainous. It's, so there's a, there's a couple things. His name means strength. We, we, we see that translation. But we see other translations that mean something along the lines of sin has given life to. Sin has given life to. So you have Sanballat come back up in the story. And it says, Sanballat heard that we were building the wall. He was angry and greatly enraged. And he jeered at the Jews. Did you know that when you begin to do the work of God, that it is going to make the enemies of God angry? That it is going to start initiating and stirring up attack in your life the moment you say yes to the work of God. Do not be surprised. Do not be discouraged as what is crouching, ready to destroy you, is that which is trying to produce sin in your life. We have Sanballat. Let's keep reading. He was enraged and he jeered at the Jews. Jeered, this is like a mocking sense. And he starts to, it says, and he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria. And do you guys remember when we were talking about Ezra chapter 4, when the Samaritans, the early Samaritans came before the people and they're like, hey, we, we want to help build. And they're like, no, you will have no part of this. Because what is being built unto the Lord is holy. It's set apart. You are not holy and set apart. You may have no part of this. And then Sanballat trying to show his, uh, trying to gain the approval of the man that he's over in Samaria, starts fighting against the people of God, right? Do we remember this when we were talking about it? So now Sanballat is standing there with the army of his friends, the Samaritans. And the attacks start coming. You know, a lot of times when we experience attack, it's not like a physical attack, but it's this internal in mind attack. How many people have ever experienced that? 
and it's hard and it's confusing. And, and what we're trying to decide, is this from the Lord? Is this not from the Lord? Is, what, is, what is going on? And I want to suggest that there's really three avenues of communication that we, that we have. We can hear from uh, the human spirit, just the human spirit. We can hear from the Holy Spirit, and we can hear from a demonic spirit. I'd say the, the balance that we have to weigh out is what is, is the attack coming from my human spirit that is not yet fully healed in the attack of a demonic spirit? When we're talking about spiritual warfare. And so this attack starts coming at, at this cognitive mind level through questions. I want to read 1 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. It says, For though we walk in the flesh... We are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We just talked about that earlier today. It says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. It's saying as we are fighting this battle, opinions, knowledge is going to come up that is against what God says. That is against his word. That is against his character. And there's something that we need to do to win these battles when they come to us. It says, and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete we have to take our thought cap our thoughts captive other thoughts that you just let run wild in your mind that are setting themselves up against the knowledge of god that are setting themselves up against the opinions of god if there is something that the lord is highlighting to you right now i want you to write it down is there something that comes up maybe it's from my human spirit a lie that comes up that I, I, I just, I, I give weight to it. I, I start to feed it. I can't get my mind off of it. But it's, it's this phrase that I keep hearing over and over and over again. Having been through attacks and knowing people who have been through attacks, maybe a lie is that you're hated. Don't know. These people hate you. Don't, don't spend time with them. Maybe the lie that you hear is that you're all alone. No one understands. You're all alone. Maybe a lie that continues to resurface in your life is, I've, I've ruined everything. Everything is ruined. There is no coming back from this. Maybe the lie is, no one will ever find out. Is there a lie that has been surfacing in your life? that has set itself up against the knowledge and opinion of God. It says that these are what we need to take captive. What we're going to do is we're going to walk through a few verses and see some of the specific lies that were being said to the people of God. We're going to pick these out. Because what the enemy tries to do when we are going through attack like this is that he tries to get us in a place where we question who we are. This is from the beginning of time uh, in the garden in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1, when Satan comes up to Eve and says, did God really say that you're not supposed to eat from any of these trees? And she responds back to God, and, and she, she even mixes it up a little bit, and there, there's confusion. See, he's trying to get you confused about who you are in Christ who you are in your Savior. We talk about here that it's, it's not this idea of, of taking you away from your focus being on your Savior and then bringing you to put your focus on, on Satan. He's actually trying to keep your focus directly on yourself so you can't move forward in the work he's given you to do. He's trying to get us self-centered, self-focused by all these lies. Let's go through them. First lie, you see in, in verse 2, he says, what are these feeble Jews doing? 
Do you see the first attack is on their identity directly? These feeble Jews, what are they doing? These people that call themselves the people of God, who think that they have the right place to worship, what are they doing? They are weak. Not only is he going to be attacking that, but he is attacking their value as people of God. Do you feel like one of the things that you've been attacked in is your value? That the enemy's trying to set up confusion on who you are and your value to your father. You know, we were talking in home group uh, last week about um, in Galatians chapter 6 where it talks about uh, to watch ourselves. We're to watch ourselves, not just so we can uh, self-police in a way, but we watch the things that we have value for. And the question that was being stirred up in our heart is, do you value yourself the same way God values you? Or has that been attacked over and over and over again in your life? Maybe you've had people come into your life that have spoken out against your value that have spoken things against your identity in Christ. And it's starting to take root. Is that a way that the enemy attacks you? He says, what are these feeble Jews doing, identity? Will they restore it for themselves? He then attacks their intentions. See, what happens when we are questioned when these questions begin to flow in us that aren't from the origin of the Holy Spirit, right? They are literally to put us in a place of this self-centeredness so that we're all alone and then we can really begin to take in the lies. And then we act out of the place of, of thinking that these lies are true. So when you think about uh, your identity being attacked, your value unto God being attacked, you know what that usually produces in us? A performance mentality. That, well, maybe if I, I just work really, really hard, and, and I can perform well, and then I can uh, not sin, and I can get all my stuff together, and I can lead another group, or speak out another word, or walk across the front and give someone a word, and people will see me, maybe then they'll say, yeah, this person has value. See, when our identity attacked, the enemy tries to get us in a place where we try to perform for our identity. Are you a performer? Is your tendency when you're feeling uh, like people aren't valuing you, is your tendency to try to perform to gain that value? That is a trap, my friends. That is a trap. The intentions, those are the second thing. That is the second thing that is attacked. He said, will they restore it for themselves? He's like, are you, are you making this all about you? Come on, you say you're doing this, this stuff for the people and for God, but, but you're really doing this for yourself, right? An attack on your motives, on your intentions. And see, this becomes very painful when you're actually acting out of a place of purity. Because what does the enemy try to do, and where does he try to allow you to function from in this life? Well, he tries to get you to a place where you question your intentions so that you operate out of a place of reserve. Well, I, I don't want people to think that I, I'm, I'm going to make this about myself. So what we do is we settle for something less than what God has called us to do in a place of reserve. Man, I really feel like I got, I got to speak something out, but I don't want people to think that I just want to hear myself in my own voice, so I'm just going to be quiet. Have you been tricked into trying to operate out of a place of reserve? You know, this guy just wants to talk about the Lord at work. He wants to show everyone how high and mighty he is. And it's, well, maybe I'll just, just be quiet and I'll just turn it down a little bit. He wants to get you to settle. He, he attacks our intentions. Here's the next thing. What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it from themselves? Will they sacrifice? He's attacking their worship. 
the way they enter into the presence of God. Remember this whole debate that we see in Jesus' life over where to worship when he comes to Samaria? And they're like, where are we supposed to worship, here or there? There's this attack being made on worship already. That's where this comes from. And see, when we worship the Lord, when we come together, what we are doing is we are aligning our heart and our mind and our soul with the creator of the universe. And when we are aligned with him, we get a picture and just a taste of his perfect love. I'd say when the enemy tries to attack our worship, he wants to keep us from that perfect love. And we know that perfect love casts out fear. He wants to keep us so we operate out of a place of fear. Do you see that? If perfect love is what casts out fear, the word says, wouldn't you, if you were against the people of God, want to keep them from experiencing that perfect love whenever you could? So how do you do that? You attack their worship. You get the people to stop worshiping. You get the people to get inside and join a form, to be, uh, have all the things this way and not let anything get out of control and you structure everything so that nothing could ever go wrong to keep them out of heartfelt, spirit-freeing worship where they can come face-to-face -face with their creator and they can experience the perfect love that only comes from God because the enemy wants you to operate out of a place of fear. Fear of our future, fear of provision, control. He wants us to move from that place, but we're not gonna believe that lie. We're not gonna believe that lie. He goes on. See, he knows right where to attack. He knows what, Sambalot right now through these questions, he knows the right buttons to push. Here's the next thing he attacks. He attacks our identity, our intentions, our worship, and our ability is next. He says, will they finish up in a day? Like, how are you going to even finish this? You don't have the ability to finish this. You can't do this. How are these Jews going to come together and complete this? There's no way that you have what it takes to be able to get this done. Why would he throw that question? Where does he want the people to operate from? And I want to give you a phrase that one of my friends, he speaks about this concept. His name's Jerry Lashore. He talks about this. And it's a mindset of being inferior and defective. This comes with the lie that something must be wrong with me. Inferior and defective. You know, people usually give hint uh, to believing this lie when they talk about hearing from God. I, I, just, I just don't feel like I can hear from God right now. There must be something wrong with me. I must have some sort of defect. I must be inferior to those around me. That is such a dangerous place to be. Do you see how all these lies, what they do is they try to get your focus off Christ and just onto yourself. That I'm this way, and I'm this way, that I'm not enough, that I'm broken, that I'm this, and, and I'm that. And because of all this, I can't go forward and complete the work that God has given me. It's a lie. You know, he's doing some amazing work in some marriages in here. Amazing work. Things are being stirred up. Past pain is being healed. Things are being brought into the light. There's an amazing work. And what the enemy wants to do in the midst of an amazing work like that is to get people focused back on themselves. I'm just going to mess up again. I'm just going to hurt her again. I'm just going to do this. We need to keep our focus on Christ. It says, here's the last one. He attacks our resources. Everybody say money. How many people have ever been, like, full-on attacked financially? Come on. 
You go to sleep and your house is perfect and you wake up and it's destroyed. Look, look at this. He says, will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish? You don't have the resources to get this done. Look at the quality of resources that you have. Are, are you going to take these rocks? They're garbage. You're going to use this to build something? And see, remember we talked about before that it was actually because they used these rocks that were crushed that it actually increased the security and the strength of the wall. Remember when we talked about that? But do you see how the enemy's trying to get their mind? No, we can't use that. We can't use that. But that's the very thing God wanted to be used so that his strength would be displayed for everyone to see? Do you see how his strength is made perfect in our weakness? That what the enemy is saying, no, you're too weak to do that. Look at this defective weakness in you. And you say, no, that weakness is what my God is going to use to prove his strength. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Don't let him attack the resources that God has given you. Not man, but God has given you. He said, will you, will you revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? You're going you're gonna to use these burned stones that you're going to always remember? Yeah, it's called a testimony. It's called a testimony of what was once broken God is using for his good. We're okay with using burned stones in this house. Amen? It's a testimony of his goodness. It's a testimony of his deliverance. Did you know the word in here that says revive? It's actually this word for healing. Are you going to heal the wall? Yes, I'm going to heal the wall. Are you going to heal the marriage? Yes, I'm going to heal the marriage. We use burned stones in this place. So all of these attacks are coming. Just so you know, a lot of times when we're attacked in this place of resources or quality, it's so that we operate from a poverty mentality, a place of lack. Of I never have enough. I, just, I, I don't have enough. Well, how are you? I don't know. I just don't have enough. Maybe you operate from a place of lack. You count everything. You're always anxious about finances. You're, you're always concerned about, well, how, where's this going to come from? And where's this going to come from? And where, It's a trap. It's a trap. He's given you everything you need, even if it's not the way you thought it was. Don't fall for the attacks. So we see four responses to these attacks. And when these attacks happen, we can choose to respond in many different ways. But I want to highlight four of the ways because the text highlights four of the ways. And I, I think this really hits home. Let's read this. They cry out, verse 4. Hear, O God, for we are despised. This is Nehemiah. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight. For they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. Nehemiah has this response. And I'm, I'm going to keep reading just, just for a little bit. He says, So we have built the wall. And all the wall was joined together to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. We're going to pick up in just a second uh, in verse 14 because I want to get all of Nehemiah's response. But hey, Garrett, can you help me for a second? Can you just give me a hand. Can you grab that first uh, sign right here for me and just, you can bring it up and hold it next to my face. Yeah, just the number one. Perfect. Yep. Yeah, per I think you have to stand on, yep, yep, this side. This is the first response. Hey, we're being attacked. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. I'm going to read verse 14 real quick. Where did I get that? How did I see that? Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome 
and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. He says it right in verse 14. Remember the Lord. On the count of three, I want everyone to say this. One, two, three. Remember the Lord. Okay, now I want you to say it like you're not a Baptist. Ready? Just kidding. Maybe I should have said Presbyterian. One. Nope. Nope, I will not be, I will not say anymore. Just growing in personal holiness. Okay. One, two, three. Remember the Lord. You can put that one down, but I'm going to still need your help. Do you see, did you notice in verse 4, where he doesn't make the attack about himself. God, I'm, I'm, what do I do? I'm just so, he says, God, look what they're doing to you. Look at what they're trying to do to you. Do you see how he doesn't take the bait to be self-centered, but instead he chooses to be savior-centered? This needs to be our first turn when we're feeling the attack. See, so often, I've done it myself, I'm making fun of myself right now. I'll be like, God, why am I being attacked right now? Why is all this attack coming? What did I do? What is self-centered? It's time to be Savior-centered. Remember the Lord. When you feel an attack on you, whether it's, it's through uh, lies or, or sickness or something like that, your first turn is to remember the Lord. God, this is an attack on you. I'm not going to stand for the attack on you that's happening right now because we are Savior-centered. You know, in verse 6, real quick, when we read 1 Corinthians 10 about taking every thought captive, this is really where it starts, remembering the Lord. Okay, I take it captive. I caught it. It's a lie. I throw it down. I remember the Lord. This is who He is. This is what His Word says. This is what he has spoken. I remember the Lord. And see, this is what happens. In verse 6, look at what it says. I'm getting attacked. I'm getting attacked. I'm getting attacked. I don't care about myself. It's the Lord. Verse 6. So we built the wall. Well, shouldn't have we have sat down, just maybe taken a couple weeks, maybe really thought about, maybe some of these things are true. You know, I can, I can write out a, a pros and a cons list. I can journal. I can blog about it. Take the consensus of all the people that read my blog. And then maybe we can think about praying, about thinking about what to do. No, we built the wall. But I don't, I don't feel like I, I'm like in, I'm thriving. Like people, like I just feel tired and exhausted. We built the wall. I love that it says, we built it and it was halfway. See, this halfway point is a crazy point. Because this is where the tiredness really starts to turn up. If you've ever done a building project, huh? You could start to see what it could be, but you're also battling discouragement of what it isn't yet. It's halfway. It's halfway. And this is the point where people just turn. You know, I, I, I was watching this story about, about a boy who was kidnapped. And as a, a father of three, this really stirred me. Goes to school, gets kidnapped, went somewhere he wasn't supposed to be. The story was called Finding Nemo. I set that one up. And what does Dory tell Marlin or whatever his name is to do? Keep swimming. We're we're halfway, or I don't know. Keep swimming. I'm exhausted. Your son is right around the corner. Keep 
swimming. See, when we get halfway in something, especially the things we can't see, because the warfare is not a matter of flesh and blood, right? So we can't see it, is that we don't actually know that we're halfway. And that's where we get discouraged. That's where the lie of, oh, it's always going to be this way. This is always the path I'm going to be on. Listen, you may be well past half when you don't even know it. Keep going. Stay fully clothed in who Christ has created you to be. Keep going. Don't give up. Let today be the day. Maybe you've given up and you said, no, I'm just, I'm done. I'm, 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 I'm done. I Don't give up. Renew it today. Let your, your strength be renewed today. We're going to get to a part in Nehemiah where he says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Well, how, I'm not going to be able. Well, I tell you what, the joy of God is, is, it has no end to it. It never ceases. And if that's my strength, I'm in a pretty good place. Keep going. Build the wall. But I'm feeling discouraged. And build the wall. Okay, remember the Lord. That's our, our first response uh, that we can get to. We saw that in verses 4, 5, 6, and verse 14. Then we get the enemy's response. Verse 7 through 9. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites, I did pretty good on that one, Pastor Nick. I really, yeah. You're the word master, though. You're the, you're the name master. The Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and the breaches were getting to be closed, they became very angry. They weren't just regular angry. They were very angry. What did they do? And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. Is the enemy trying to cause confusion? Remember these lies causing confusion. This is part of his game. And we prayed to our God, remember the Lord, and we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them. Let's look at verse, uh, verse 11 real quick. It says, And our enemies said, They will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. Remember, this reviving, this repairing was this picture of healing. And they saw that the breaches were closing up and they were missing an opportunity. Do you know that there are actually windows of opportunity for the enemy to begin to attack you? We see this in God's word. We see this in Matthew 18, that unforgiveness is a breach in your wall where the enemy has an opportunity to attack you. We see this with many uh, unrepentant continuing sins that that is giving i, I sinned a little what's, i mean what's the big deal it's it's a breach in your wall as someone who's over a family as someone who's entrusted with the leadership of people breaches in our walls are opportunities for the enemy to come in we don't want any breaches in our walls I believe it's not only just, just a, a, a breach is not only because of, of sin. But I also believe breaches can occur when we're in a season of healing. This is the word I was talking about repairing, and it, it, it's, it's close to healing. They saw that the, the wall was healing, that it was being healed, and they saw that they were losing their opportunity because healed people are strong people. See, that's why we allow the Lord to reveal things in us. Because what we say is, uh, when he reveals something, it's because he wants to heal something. And if we can go through that process of healing inside of our own hearts, that we are going to become strong people of God with no breaches in our wall. This is what the enemy says. If you want to grab uh, the next, what do you call these things? No, I mean, it's speech bubble. Yeah, there we go. Confuse, you don't have to repeat this one. Kill and stop. That's what the enemy wants to do. This is what he is saying. I, I, hope, I hope these people get confused. I want to kill them because I want them to stop the work that they're doing unto the Lord. 
I'm telling you, if, if your heart is in a place where you've ever thought these things about people of God, you are siding with the words of the enemy. Well, I just want the work to stop. They, they, they look at them. They, they have all this great stuff going for them. Jealousy, right? We just read about that jealousy. Man, I, I, I just don't want, I don't want them to die. I just want the work they're doing to die. Same speech. Same speech. We can choose to give into this. We can choose to remember the Lord or to give into confusion, to the work being killed and the work being stopped. That's our second option. Third option. This is what Judah says in verse 10. It says in Judah, this can, this can be talking about a couple of different things. It can either be talking about just the people in this area or the actual tribe. If it's talking about the actual tribe, it paints a pretty cool picture because it's this demonstration of the strongest, most powerful tribe, the ones with the, the most numbers. This is how they responded. The strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. Isn't it interesting that usually the strongest people in the kingdom are the ones who get attacked in the area of strength? Right? Strongest group of people, strongest tribe, healthiest tribe coming together. They're the ones worried about not being strong enough. This was their response. You're getting a good workout today, man. I, I appreciate it. This was their response. There's, there's not enough. No, there's, not, there's not enough people. There's not enough, there's not enough strength. There's not enough supplies. What are we going to There's not enough. Let's just regroup. Let's, let's take some time. We've got to get the right stuff. There's not enough stuff. This goes back to being attacked in the area of resources and coming from a place of lack. Do you see how that's connected? There's not enough. We don't have enough. We have a lack. There's not enough. There's not enough. Uh, we can't do this. There's, that was the response of Judah. Maybe that's a response you go to. I believe the Lord is highlighting that because this is one of the biggest reasons that godly, spirit-filled people give up on what God has called them to do. Because they begin to believe the lie and operate from a place of lack, that there's not enough. Here's the next one. You can grab this one right now. Then we have the rest of the Jews. Verse 12. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions. So these were the Jews. They were kind of mixed in with the enemies a little bit, doing, doing life together, lived near each other, the whole nine yards. And it says in verse 12 that the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times. Your translation might say something a little different, but I'm going to try to give you the, the, the meaning of this. He's saying, you must return to us. Maybe it says that they're surrounded or, or that they're surrounding us or something like that. The whole picture is, come home. Listen, there's, there's too many enemies here. There's, just come home. Just leave this for now. There's, they're all surrounding us. There's, there's too, just return. Just can, can things go back to normal? See, before this whole wall project started, everyone kind of got along. We were trading with each other. But now this got started, and that they're not trading with us anymore, and that they're not nice to us, and just come home. It's a distraction from the work that the Lord has called you to. Just go back. Just go back to what you knew. Just, just go, go back to Remember where it was more comfortable. This is the, the children uh, uh, crying out about going back to Egypt. Oh, remember how good it was over in Egypt? We had all this stuff. You were a slave. We don't go back to being slaves because we have been set free. You see the light. Come home. Just listen. This can all go away. This can all go away if you just, if you just go back to what you knew. Don't give in to that lie. Don't give in to it. We see that they're clothed during the attack. I promise you this part is going to go much faster. We also say we stay clothed during the work. So clothed during the attack, 
and clothed during the work. I'm going to read verses 15 through 23. It says, When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan. I love this word because it's actually, it's like this, this picture of um, angel hair pasta for all my fellow Italians. And you know that, that satisfying feeling of like taking dry angel hair pasta and breaking it? Nehemiah is saying that's, that's what God did to their plans. God had frustrated or broken their plan. We all, hear this unity, we all return to the wall. Each to his work. It's Galatians 6. You can look that up later. From the day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. If you know my son, Louis, the first thing he does when he wakes in the morning is put a sword, a plastic sword, in his belt. And he wears it all day long. I support that. It says, the man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Not me, Nehemiah. And I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread and we are separated on the wall far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. Hey, this is what's amazing. He's not saying, guys, when you hear the trumpet, just, okay, freak out a little bit, and everyone just run to where we're at, okay? And then just grab your sword, and then we're going to really have to try hard and fight. He's saying, no, we're going to show up for the movie. I'm going to blow the trumpet. We're going to show up to watch God destroy our enemies. Listen for the trumpet. Don't freak out, but just come together, because there's going to be a great show of watching our enemies fall beneath us. Verse 21, so we labored at the work, and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. I also said to the people at that time, let every man and his servant pass, uh, it says, pass the night within Jerusalem, that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. You thought two-a-day football practices were bad. So neither I, nor my brothers, nor my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes. Each kept his weapon at his right hand. The attack has happened. The attack has, has been literally broken down. He remembered the Lord. He strangled out the attack. <laughs> Did you guys hear that story about the runner in Denver? who choked out a mountain lion. This is a real story. He was running. This is like four days ago. He was running. Just so you know, this is what I picture Ray Barrow doing. Uh, he's going for a jog. And this mountain lion literally comes after him and starts, like, trying to claw him to death. So he proceeds to get on top of the mountain lion and choke it with his bare hands until the mountain lion dies. See, this would never be me because I would never be going for a jog. <laughs> but someone like Ray, who's a finely tuned machine, this is what something he would do. And, and this is literally the picture of what happens to these lies that you have to, they're trying to attack you. They're trying to kill you. And you have to choke them out with the very word of God, remembering who he is and what he has done. Because then we can continue on in the work. How do we work? We talked a little bit about burnout last week. How do we work? What do we do? See, burnout isn't because uh, you're moving at the wrong pace. 
I'm, just, I'm moving too fast. I feel burnt out. That's, that's not it. We, we have such a great capacity that the Lord has given us. It's not even because uh, we have too much on our plate. There's just, it's just too much. I believe burnout happens when we are in the wrong position with the wrong tools. It's either a position uh, that you weren't designed for, or it's a position that you were designed for, but you don't have the right tools. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the, the position of how to do this work, and then the right tools that we need so we can continue on in the Lord's work. Amen? Here's the first thing. So I had the first slide. It's in the right position with the right tools. When the attack happens, we don't retreat. We reposition ourselves. That's what's happening. They don't retreat from the work. They reposition themselves. Here's the right position. Look at verse 16. It says, from the day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The word here, servants, is not our. It's referring to the youth. The first thing is this, that servants submit. Servants submit. We can go to the next slide. If you're here and you consider yourself a youth, Maybe you are young in the Lord. Maybe you are being discipled and being raised up. Did you know that right now in this season, the way you continue the work is to submit under those who God has placed over you? This is Hebrews 13, 17. This is where it, it talks about to obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give in account. He's saying of the servants, of the youth. Hey, youth, servants in here, how are you doing submitting? How are you doing when we show up to do kingdom work together, following directions? Do you always have to have things your way? Is there always just a little problem with the direction that you were given? Well, I, I know I was told to do this, but I, I don't really feel this. And, you know, it's, uh, it's just, it's not really my wheelhouse. No. Your job as a servant in this stage is to learn submission. This is the qualifier for leadership. We see this is something that Christ demonstrated. If you go back and read Philippians 2, better than any of us ever could, that he was willing to be poured out. Servants submit the right position. Here's the next one. Leaders surround did you see in verse 16 where it said, and the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah? This is for the word leaders, is sar, it's literally captains. And who did the leaders, maybe you consider yourself a leader here. Who did the leaders surround? The people who were right in front of them. You didn't see them trying to jockey for position. Well, you know, I, I know these people. I really want to surround them because, you know, they're more like me and they're my friends. And no, they surrounded who was right in front of them. If you are a leader here, your job is to surround those who God has put right in front of you. To protect them. Because if the enemy came into ambush, who was the one protecting those who were in submission? The leaders. The leaders were the line. If the enemy comes in and tries to attack one of my servants, one of the youth here, the leaders are the ones who would begin to fight. You see the structure that God has set up, both for the wall and in his body. The leaders are the ones. Maybe you're like, no, I'm not really a youth. I'm not really a leader. Here's the next one. Let's look at verse 18a. It says, in each of the builders had his sword strapped to his side while he built. If you go up to the verse just before it, it talks about the builders. It says, those who carried burdens, because the job of a builder is to carry burdens. Maybe you're here, even in this body, and you're like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not exactly a, a leader here. You know, I, 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 I want to be, and what do I do? I'm not a youth. Where, where do I fit in your job is to carry burdens. 
I want to ask you a question. Do you regularly look for the burdens that need to be carried in this body? What are the burdens that people have in their lives? God, what are you calling me to carry in the position that you've given me? Do you carry burdens or do you run away from them? See, as builders in the kingdom of God, we need to be looking for these things, counting on the Lord's strength. So we have the right position. We talked about servants. We talked about leaders. We talked about builders. Which one of those would you identify with? Write it down. Which one of these would I identify with? Write it down. The right position. And here's the last thing. The right tools. Do you possess the right tools? We see uh, as it talks through the story, it's such this, this awesome picture that they have a shovel in one hand, a sword in the other hand, that they're standing guard, they're continuing to work. The first right tool that you need, we're going to start with clear communication. Spoiler alert, readiness is coming. Clear communication. Do you see how Nehemiah set up a system of clear communication with the trumpet? I love this part because as a leader, he says, hey, when you hear the trumpet, that's where the enemy's going to attack. See, Nehemiah, that shows us that Nehemiah placed himself, opened himself up to be where the enemy was going to attack the most. And he set up a system. Hey, I'm going to be where, where I can perceive the enemy attacking the most, and then I'm going to have this guy blow a trumpet. And when you hear the trumpet, Right? Not, not hard instructions. Come running and we're going to watch a little movie. Clear communication. If you're trying to grow as a servant, you're trying to grow as a leader, think to yourself, how can I clearly communicate with those who I'm surrounded by? How can I work on this? How can I simplify things so people can receive and understand? It's part of developing as a leader. Clear communication. Here's the next one. Grit. G-R-I-T. Grit. Look at verse 21. So we labored at the work, and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. Say, from morning to night. All day. I also said to the people at the time, let every man and his servant pass the night with Jerusalem, that they may be a guard for us by night and labor in the day all day, all night. It wasn't just a physical endurance. It was a character endurance. Grit is having the strength and endurance, not in your physicalness, but in your character. One of the tools that we need to develop as the people of God is our grit, is our fortitude in our character. See, some of us, we can growl like a Rottweiler but our grit is like a cocker spaniel. Someone like that. You know what I'm saying? We can talk, 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 but guess what? It says that the kingdom of God does not consist of talk, but of power. We can growl, we can show, we can do whatever we want, but do you have grit? Do you have a character that can endure? That when things get hard, the attack comes on, that you remember the Lord, you get back to work, you know your right position, you stay in that position, you pick up your right tools, and you continue with grit because sometimes when we are building, it gets tiring. Sometimes we get worn out. But guess what? It's much, it's much better when our bodies fade before our spirit. We're going to continue with a fight of heart. Grit. It's a tool. You can develop this. It's through being crushed. It's usually in the season of submitting as a servant. Endurance of character. Here's the last one, the right tool, readiness. You see, when Nehemiah is talking about, and we kept our clothes on, he's saying, I, I, I'm not going to enjoy the luxury that some people have of being able to take off their dirty, sweaty, nasty clothes and take the time to have them washed and cleaned and put them back on. He's saying, I'm willing because I am ready at all times. I'm ready to do without so that the work can continue. I just want to side note, we are uh, 
just so blessed by how people have been responding and, and giving to the work project. We are, we are moving forward in strides with, with this thing. Uh, please continue to give uh, sacrificially and generously. Um, we're, we're more than halfway. We are more than halfway. A lot of the debt that we had that we we're uh, trying to get down has is, is been cut in half, and the Lord is doing amazing things through that. Thank you for being ready to be sacrificial. And we see this picture in Nehemiah, where he's like, no, I'm, all of us, we're together. I'm willing to be ready to be dirty. I'm willing to be ready to smell bad. I'm willing to be ready to be uncomfortable because the work is so much more important than my comfort. He has the right vision for what the Lord's doing. Listen, don't, get a, don't, don't give in to the attacks that the enemy's throwing your way to try to get you off your course, to get you off your vision, to get you off what the Lord is doing. Stay clothed with the armor of God. As a priestly warrior, stay clothed when the attacks come. Stay clothed as you're working because God is the one who's going to show up and fight these battles so you can keep working on what he has given you to do. Why don't you stand with me? If you feel like you're going through a season of attack right now, just I want you to raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand. Look around. Look around, people. Remember the Lord, my friends. Remember the Lord. God, would you allow us to remember you with such a brilliance and clarity? God, that you are doing a mighty works among us. God, we remember that you are great and that you are awesome. Lord, that every time a battle has come to our doorstep, that you have shown up and we have sat back and watched you deliver time and time again. So God, we ask that you would just reveal what is true for those who are going through attack right now. God, that your word, as they read your word, that it would be elevated. God, that the character of Christ would resound Jesus. God, that there would be a grit that is developed so we can not only continue in the work projects that are right before us, but in the ones that are to come. So God, we just declare that you are great, that you are awesome, that you are doing a mighty work, God, and that we are ready, we are willing, we are staying clothed so we can be a part of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.